I'm Hannah Trump, and this is the Hypocritical Podcast. Cybersecurity protocols and practices will never be a one-size-fits-all solution. Different industries have different requirements for compliance, and healthcare has vague but vast security rules to follow under HIPAA. How do organizations stay ahead of the cybersecurity curve? Peer collaboration and information sharing are important for mitigating risk. Still, until a company ends up on the HHS wall of shame, most are reluctant to share embarrassing breach information or cybersecurity flubs. So what can healthcare providers learn from the past data breaches or HIPAA violations? How can healthcare, an industry known for its outdated technology like the fax machine, use this information to keep protected health information safe? Greg Reber, founder and CEO of Aztec Consulting, is with us on today's episode. He and Sierra Langston discuss the changes and challenges in cybersecurity, including implementing solutions that meet regulatory standards, the evolving threat landscape, and how information sharing is key to the future of cybersecurity. Let's take a listen. Greg, I know that you were on the Future of AI and Machine Learning and Healthcare Security panel at our Public Secure Conference a few years ago with Anna Scheiss mm-hmm. of Arthur Ventures and Brent Newhouse of Quint Ventus. Not sure if I pronounced that correctly. Um, and I just did a podcast with Anya last week. So I'm very, very happy to have you on and have your expertise back with us. It's great to be here, Sierra. Can you provide our listeners with some background on Aztec Consulting? You know what you guys do, how many locations you have, and who you serve would be great. Sure, Sierra. I started Aztec in 1997, and our focus has always been to advise companies in areas of information security and help them get things done to continuously improve security awareness and posture, just like a lot of security consultants. Uh, I'm a big fan of what's called the U.S. Forest Brilliant, Observe, Decide, and act. And what we do is essentially based on these four areas. Uh, first, for orient and observe, we do a situational analysis, uh, looking at people, processes, and technology that make and then make recommendations okay. based on the industries. Uh, we've been nice. based in the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 20 years and most recently opened a Dallas office. You briefly mentioned a little bit about why you founded Aztec, but is there any other information about the background on the company that you would like to provide? Uh, well, uh, we've been in this a long time. Uh, in 1995, uh, I right. uh, was consulting for a California-based regional bank that has since become the fourth largest in the country, working very closely with one of the greatest minds at the time in security-related issues, Dr. Martin Carmichael, uh, okay. who went on to become chief security officer of both TD Ameritrade and McAfee. Very enthusiastically, uh, changed the, how security was done at the bank. The internet was relatively new. Uh, mm-hmm. and the vision that Dr. Carmichael had was uh, groundbreaking. And working very closely with him, I saw that every company needed what we were doing at the bank. So I started Aztec. And I've been having a great time working with a fantastic team since then. Yeah, great. I'll have it's to look him up. He's, he's no, you can, yeah, uh, still still active. In fact, I I'm, he's one of my mentors. I still talk to him regularly. Uh, we okay. uh, there are a lot of people like when any job they get up in the morning and say, "Why am I doing what I do?" And it is a very easy question to answer for us for our team. Yeah, you got to have a passion and reason for what you're doing in a, in every single um, space. Yes, and uh, okay, it's a great, great motivational force, and that. We've uh, really, really done some great work over the past 20 years or so. And 
Greg, is there any other information on your background? You gave a little bit of background on the banquet. Is there anything else um, about your background or yourself that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, probably a lot, but I'm not sure how interesting it is. <laughs> <laughs> After I graduated from the University of Maryland, go Terps, uh, with a degree in aerospace engineering, I worked in that industry in the defense for defense contractors for a while and realized that wasn't for me. Took mm. some time off, lived in Eastern Europe, um, Czechoslovakia, when it was still a country, which was a spectacular experience, which I could probably fill a different podcast with. <laughs> uh, returned to the U.S., got into IT. And uh, a couple of years after that, found a professional home, so to speak, with when I met Dr. Carmichael and we uh, did a lot of security work together. And that's when I started the company. Uh, it's really been great being uh, our basic tenant. One of them is teach a man to fish. He's fed for his life. Uh, watching companies and the awareness tick up over the past few years, especially of wow, people are really taking uh, stock of their security and where, where's their part in it, and not uh, outsourcing security so much as they used to. This is one of the reasons Talbox is recommended so much. Because it solves multiple security issues uh, with an email, uh, encryption, data loss prevention, email archiving that's mandated by most regulatory frameworks. And mm -hmm. that's the kind of uh, uh, solution, you know, that we, you look to say, what, what can I, what's the biggest bang for the buck? And those kinds of things are, are actually moving the needles. Powerbox has been at the top of the top of the heat there. Well, we appreciate that kind of feedback. Well, it's observational, so, not not uh, <laughs> not not just an ego thing. Well, appreciate it. And there are a lot of things that companies can do to secure themselves from breaches. Um, you know, what do you advocate to a company that implements basic recommended security measures? You know, are they ahead of the curve? Well, <clears throat> um, threats evolve every day, right? And uh, becoming more and more sophisticated. Uh, you know, what we're trying to do with our team is trying, looking at connecting dots uh, to see what's coming before it becomes a threat. So that said, you know, it's a great start to implement uh, what we call, you know, the quote unquote basic security measures, basic blocking and tackling. Sometimes, apparently, companies need a reminder of the importance of doing the basics to secure their companies. Kind of like the old adage that I'm going to adapt here for security. Some companies' main role is to serve as a warning to others to do the right thing. Mm, yes. The HHA is <laughs> wall of shame for sure. Yeah. So we have a, a lot of, well, a few examples. I don't want to go into all of them that come to mind for uh, breaches. Yeah. Driving change. Uh, like uh, after the Target breach, Target Stores breach in 2013, every company looked at their networks for having appropriate segmentation, uh, or they should have, because, you know, that was an HVAC vendor that was able to, uh, that was hacked by bad guys. And then the bad guys were able to use that connection into Target's network. Okay, that's bad. But then Target's network was flat, so to speak. There wasn't any segmentation, so they could get everywhere. Uh, so that drove a lot of regulatory visibility into you will segment your network from different things 2019 and sometimes since then ransomware targeting unpatched windows machines brought some companies and municipalities to a standstill and then they spent 20 to mm. 50 million 
fixing that problem. That underscored the importance of patching, which you know everybody knows, yeah, we got to patch. We have to stay on top of things, but not everybody is doing it. So right, yeah. having set that kind of a, a, an example will drive that behavior. More currently, and this is you know top of mind for a lot of security people, and it should be for everyone, the solar winds hack uh, came became aware of late last year, which may be the most sophisticated <clears throat> excuse me sophisticated attack that's ever been made public. Software mm-hmm. companies, especially security related ones, will be changing their threat modeling practices to include supply chain hacks uh, attacks. So, because that's what happened with the solar winds, it was, you know, a software um, uh, supply chain hack that got uh, went undetected for we don't know how long yet. Yeah. So now threat modeling will include that type of attack. Right, and you know, companies don't know what they don't know, and so I I have Google alerts for every single ransomware phishing um, attack on the internet. That way, I can stay abreast of you know the threat actors and how they're getting more uh, conniving on the internet. And so we can talk about it on the podcast and. Um, use that as yeah. a predictive, um, you know, way to implement better security practices. So that's yeah. great. And the you awareness is key. Right. And, you know, software, everything is, you know, innovation is changing daily, weekly. So everyone, you know, in the healthcare industry and in IT security, you know, we've all got to stay abreast of what's going on. So when, you know, companies are saying we're doing everything right here, you know, as far as the, you know, the basic security measures. Yeah, that's that's the right thing thing to do. but as with the OODA loop, you have to keep revisiting that in light of uh, more recent threats, more recent hacks, what's going on. And uh, being able to kind of look over the horizon for what's in store for an individual company or entity. Uh, mm-hmm. and so there is an old, another old adage. Uh, the militaries of today are always fighting the last war. Uh, they're built to fight mm-hmm. the last war. Staying as current as possible will uh, bring that last war, that last event horizon much closer to present. And you mentioned previously that we need to connect dots and see what's coming and get more predictive, if you will. Do you have any examples of any more examples about how companies can, you know, start predictive behavior? If you look at start looking at what's going on in the big hacks of the last five, seven years, that in the near future, we're in a world where there are no more secrets, really. Mm, yeah. I mean, if you think about this, <clears throat> some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, stats, that SolarWinds hack affected 425 of the Fortune 500 companies, <laughs> including all of the top 10 U.S. T- telecommunications companies, not to mention like hundreds of universities. <clears throat> so here we are. And let's go with what the uh, the IC the intelligence community says. So this was a a Russian government hack. The Russian government had information on all of the entities now that I just mentioned. And what are they going to do with the information? Mm-hmm. They're going to go through it and say, "This is what information we will keep for ourselves." Mostly the you know the military and the you know State Department, government kind of stuff. We will sell the rest of it to whoever gives us money for it. So right, right. This is this is the biggest uh, information breach that we've ever seen. Uh, I don't want to say that we've ever experienced because there might be bigger ones that aren't public, but we don't know. So all that information is out there, essentially for the highest bidder, except for what 
whoever perpetrated this, most likely Russia, wants to keep for themselves and gain an advantage over every other country in the world, political and military. Mm-hmm. The Equifax hack, 2017, exposed the personal information needed to apply for a credit of $150 million <laughs> Americans. And that's more than half the adult population, right? We're 330 million, something like 200 million adults. So more than half yep, the adult population sure that's how my, of the U.S. Yeah. All that information is out there. And it's not retrievable, right? You can't undo this. And yeah. now, even kind of more uh, contemporary or, or more recently, video and photography editing technology has evolved to the point where the so-called deep fake videos Anyone, and I mean anyone, can manipulate digital video to make it look like anyone is doing and saying anything. In fact, just this past week, the mom of a cheerleader in Pennsylvania created videos of her daughter's rivals for the cheerleading squad and posted them, trying to smear their reputations and get the school to not consider them. Now, imagine that. This is an adult uh, doing things to uh, uh, for to teenagers against them that and we all know how we look at something and we're not right now questioning it immediately if it seems out of whack even something like this might not seem out of whack it will just be taken as truth so this trend is getting worse not better on can we believe what we see yeah so, and that's absolutely terrifying we could be heading into a future where there really aren't any more secrets. Uh, and what do you do in a world where all your information is out there for anyone to buy? So when we talk about you know, what's coming, we have to take these kinds of things into account to say, what do we do? I mean, it's uh, all your info is out there for anyone to buy. Or are there fake videos of anyone so nothing can be trusted? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's how it was with the you know, with the election, everybody was reading stuff on the internet. Nobody knew what was true, what wasn't true. So I agree that we are starting to progress that way. And it's, it's extremely scary. And Greg, what do the protections look like? And what can companies and individuals do to minimize their risk? Uh, I love these questions, Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are questions that get to that heart, <clears throat> the heart of the psychology of security, right? What makes people feel secure? question mark. What risks are we going to protect against? Bigger question mark. In today's world, in like today's environment, government entities, companies, academic institutions, information sharing is key. Now, these, these are the entities that have information that needs to be secured, and we expect it to be in today's environment. And it's to their advantage to keep it secure because, you know, there are breach notification laws, there's uh, reputational laws, and all sorts of things. So yes, they should be doing that right now. When a company mm-hmm. is targeted with a new attack that's not been seen before, letting others know can help the whole infrastructure prepare defenses. Yep. Uh, the solar winds hack is a perfect example. Most likely government entities asking, when did they become aware of this? And the answers are not forthcoming. Uh, uh, the company that did disclose it is escaping me right now, the name of them. As soon as they knew about it, they released the info. And they said, this is going on. And then people looked at all of the, the, the client list for SolarWinds like, oh, it's all these companies and all these government entities. 
So sharing information among these kinds of entities is key to be able to mm-hmm. uh, thwart this kind of attack or make make it as uh, minim- minimizing the dangers once it does happen. For individuals, right. taking more control over their own destiny is the way to go. Understanding risks, how they work on the internet, it's only going to help people make better decisions when it comes to what they do online. You know, yes. and adding to that, as you mentioned before, this this healthy increase in critical thinking is going to go a long way in not being taken in by uh, misinformation campaigns. Right, questioning right. what you see, even if it falls within your you know frame of belief system, and or uh, I'm not talking faith based. I'm just talking what we believe. Uh, you. We really need to question uh, everything that we see and read now. For individuals, an example of um, you know minimizing risk when we switch to re- remote working because of COVID, like I did an entire podcast on the vulnerabilities with home networks. And while I was doing the podcast and doing the research, I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, I didn't know this information. Um, I need to implement this stuff for myself. And then a lot of times when I ask folks on podcasts, how do they um, stay abreast of the latest IT security information? Most answers say collaboration with peers, you know, peer groups, making sure they're in groups um, so that they can communicate what's happening at their company. And then they can learn what's happening at other people's companies to do the same thing that you're saying, just to help with the predictive behavior of what folks, um, individuals and companies can do to minimize risk. Sharing that information is is key because we're all part of the infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. The individuals aren't in a competitive environment, but sometimes the companies are, and of course the government wants to keep things secret. But so breaking down some of that uh, uh, knee jerk, I'm not going to tell anybody what just happened to me uh, for whatever reason. We have to break that down a bit. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think companies, especially on the HHS wall of shame, it's a it's when you're on the wall of shame. It is detrimental to your reputation. So I think the embarrassment too is a lot of reason why maybe people don't communicate that information because they're embarrassed that they weren't prepared for that for that breach. Yeah, now, I, I worked with uh, uh, an entity called the Identity Theft Assistance Center uh, about ten years ago. There was a consortium of banks, uh, and it was for information sharing uh, for for these purposes. And it didn't really get off the ground because uh, the financial institutions they held things close, and they we may have had you know a breach here, but we're not telling. Oh yeah, we're not going to. So anonymization of the data and information, even that didn't help. But mm. one really cool thing that's happening now is the push for more uh, privacy controls. So there just isn't as much data out there. So everything we were just talking about is kind of in the short term. Here's what you should do, information sharing. Right. If we're moving to that kind of a future where nothing is secret, behaviors will change on a deeper level. You know, for example, the uh, Equifax hack. If you know that your social security number, name, address, driver's license number, and credit history are all publicly available, that can be used to apply for credit in your name. It's that's, cringy. That's it's so risk. cringy. Yes. It's huge. Yeah. So you'll pay closer attention to your own financial footprint. That's going to be, that's a behavioral change that people started you know, paying for the credit monitoring and Equifax gave it out for free for two years. And mm-hmm. the new industries that are springing up to make this kind of uh, visibility into your own, uh, own stuff is um, that's making things easier. They're, 
uh, new companies are springing up to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also increased awareness. I mean, how many more conversations started to question, why do we even have these credit reporting industries that are making money off my information and making my life somewhat difficult um, mm-hmm. when there's no law that says we have to have them? And I remember having those kinds of conversations. So That's true. The mindset, That's true. <laughs> the mindset is evolving with the um, just staggering amount of data now that's supposed to be non-public, but is now public or publicly accessible. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I learned a lot and I absolutely loved discussing all of this with you. And um, yeah, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Sierra, I love doing this if you can't tell. So anytime. Pawbox and our HIPAA compliant email solutions, please visit pawbox.com or pawbox.com slash blog to find resources and information on how to keep your organization safe. Pawbox Secure is back in person this year. Join us in Las Vegas on September 29th and 30th for our fourth annual cybersecurity and innovation conference. During this two-day event, you'll hear from industry experts like Kelvin Coleman of the National Cybersecurity Alliance discuss healthcare, compliance, and mitigating risk. Attendees will have ample opportunities to mingle and network with our speakers and their peers during this time. If you're interested in sponsoring or speaking at Pawbox Secure, please reach out to me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at pawbox.com. For additional information about Pawbox Secure, head to pawboxsecure.com. Are you looking to expand your professional network or meet with industry professionals to discuss cybersecurity or innovation trends? Join our June social mixer for just that. Each month, Pawbox customers and non-customers connect to share tips, tricks, and best practices from their careers and professional lives. Every attendee receives a beverage of their choice delivered to their door day of, and attendance is completely free. If you're interested in attending, email me at hannah at pawbox.com. Don't forget, you can listen to every episode of the Hypocritical Podcast on pawbox.com, or you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or Amazon Music. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hypocritical Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Trump, signing off.